want to welcome you to the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. God moves so powerfully on Elevate Youth Sundays. This past Youth Sunday, we had our brother in Christ, Damien Giacchino of Real Life Church, bring the word. Let's tune in. This word will produce 30, 60, and some hundredfold return. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, let's go to Galatians 5. This is a word, church. Y'all get taught the word here. Amen. Galatians 5, verse 1. I'm going to go ahead and read. And then uh, for you note takers, I will give you the, the, the topic of my sermon in just a, just a moment. We have it on the screen. Cool. Um, so Galatians 5 and 1, it says, stand fast. Everyone say, stand fast. Stand fast. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Everyone say, free. And do not, say do not, not. says do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The reason why it says don't be entangled with the yoke of bondage, because there can be some deception that what we think is freedom can actually be bondage, and what we think is bondage could be freedom. Satan loves making what looks like freedom bondage, and he loves making what bondage looks like freedom. Amen? Amen. Satan loves to make sex before marriage look like freedom, but really that puts you in bondage. He loves making marijuana look like freedom, but that really is bondage because the freedom that God has for you and the peace he has from you comes from his presence, not from rolling up some backwoods. I think some of y'all got that backwoods Swiss or sweet lips in it. I was just like... (laughs) You look like you just rolled something. <laughs> but we, we, we have to understand that God, uh, in Galatians, we're getting encouraged not to get caught up in bondage. Because if it was not easy to get caught up in bondage, this wouldn't, we wouldn't have this encouragement. And we see in the, garden of the, uh, the, we're in, the, in the garden where the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was there, that Satan made what was bad look like it was good. Amen. He tempted Adam and Eve with something that appeared good and appeared to make one wise, but it actually didn't make you wise. It exposed you in an area of information and insight and experiences that God didn't want them to have. So he tried to disguise bondage as freedom and said that if you take from this fruit, you'll actually be like God. You'll actually be wise. You'll you'll have more freedom. So sometimes Satan will use the bondage and allure you in a way to make you think it is freedom. Like rebelling from your parents. Since my parents is in the house, I can tell on myself. I remember when I was young, I didn't even want to go to church. I just wanted to go hang out with my girlfriend and, and go do some stuff I shouldn't be doing. But God's wisdom is, is in the generation before us, amen? Even if their life doesn't match up with what they're telling you, although my parents' life did match up with what they were telling me. Let me just throw that out there. Even if their life didn't match up with what they are telling you, there is still wisdom in what they're telling you, amen? Because at the heart of a parent, they don't want you to experience what they experience. Amen? So we're going to be talking about, if you're taking notes, how to stay in freedom. Tell your neighbor, say, how to stay in freedom. Because Jesus made us positionally free, but it's your responsibility to be conditionally free. Amen? So freedom comes with responsibilities. Everyone say responsibilities. So when God made covenant with us, 
That word covenant means rights and responsibilities, meaning that we have rights to the promises of God, but there are certain things that we have to do to access and manifest those promises. So if you think freedom just comes easy, then you'll, 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 when a fight is on your hand, you'll give up because not everything easy is God and not everything hard is the devil. Amen. Some things you have to fight for and freedom, although the blood of Jesus purchased our freedom, the blood didn't purchase us to not still fight for our freedom. Tell your neighbor, say, you still got to fight. See, we don't want to just be free. We want to be free indeed. See, I think some of us have got the message of freedom, but we're still not free indeed. Christ wants you to be free indeed. He doesn't just want you to be delivered. He wants you to be set free, never going back to that. Amen. See, you know the difference with being free and delivered. Sometimes you can be, de be delivered for something, but if you go back to it, you're not free from it. You can be delivered from smoking weed for 30, 30, 30 days, but if you go back to it, you're still not free from it. You can be delivered from something, but until you don't go back to it, you're still not yet free from it. Amen. And Christ wants us to be free. And he's saying, don't entangle yourself up in the yoke of bondage again, because God sent Jesus to help us be free so that we can be free to live out the plan that God has for us. So I want to say some things so that we can so y'all can track with me. The way we use our freedoms may not change our eternal destination, but it can change our earthly situations. So uh, the way we use our freedom sometimes is not a matter of eternal destination. And what do I mean by that? Christ gave us salvation. That was a free gift. Amen. So if salvation was a free gift, you can't sin your way out of salvation. So sin may not unravel your righteousness, but it will unravel your life. Amen. So, again, it, we can use our we can be in Christ, use our freedom and it may not take away our salvation, but it will allow us to not have the life that Christ died for us to have while we're here on earth. So so our freedoms that are misused may not take away our salvation, but it will unravel our life if we misuse them in a way that God doesn't want us to use them. So we have to be stewards. Everyone say stewards. Stewards, stewards over our freedom. And you know it's freedom and you're using it right when you, the, the way you choose to use your freedom brings you more freedom. Amen? So if I'm using freedom and it's not bringing me back more freedom, then that may not be freedom. Because the freedom that God calls us to brings us more freedom, brings us more opportunity to love people, brings us more opportunities to serve him and live out our calling. Amen. But if my freedom is restricting me and is, it's taking away my peace, the way I use my freedom and the way that I'm using my freedom is, is not allowing me to have the life that Christ had for me, then, then, then that may not be me using freedom the right way. Amen. So we got to be better stewards at freedom. Jesus made us positionally free, but it's our choice to be conditionally free. So go with me also to verse 13 in Galatians 5 and 1. You guys mind if I come down here? I feel ultra tall up here. <laughs> like, look at his little light-skinned self and long legs. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. Uh, Galatians, 5, uh, Galatians 5 verse 13. Verse 13. Galatians 5 and 13. Do we have it? Let me go back here. So it says right here, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. Everyone say serve one another. So the freedom that God calls us to is not necessarily to give into our flesh. 
It's God freed us from the law of sin and death so that we can follow the law of the spirit of life in Christ. So there's two laws that are always at play in our life. Your choices that you make are either activating the law of sin and death or the law of the spirit of life in Christ. So every decision I made, we have to make sure that is it activating the law of sin and death or the law of the spirit of life in Christ. For example, if I'm married... I have, a, I have, this would be a stupid way of using my freedom. I have the freedom to flirt. I'm going to clear it up. Stacy, like, all right, let's see how he going to get out of this one. <laughs> I may have the freedom to flirt, but is flirting going to activate the law of sin and death? Is flirting going to lead to adultery and adultery going to lead to the death of a marriage? So to me, I don't think there's no such thing as innocent flirting, amen, because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. No, you need to just stop flirting, and if you're married, flirt with your spouse. Flirt, flirt with your spouse. <laughs> and if you don't like the way they look, and make them look better. Buy them, buy, get them some hair, get them some makeup, do whatever you got to do, amen. And, and ladies, pop, pop a breath mint in his mouth if his breath stains. <laughs> Change his toothpaste up. <laughs> So we have to always be aware that Satan is trying to get us to make a choice to activate the law of sin and death because that's when he can employ his demons and that's when he can attack your life. But when we make decisions that line up with the law of the spirit of life in Christ, that's when we employ our angels. Amen. And angels are part of heaven's economic system. So no matter what you do, you want to make sure you're employing your angels. And the way we employ our angels is the, the words we speak. So when I take the word of God and I speak it, the Bible says angels hearken over the voice of God. So my word speaking the word of God becomes the voice of God. So when I start speaking the word of God over my situation, over my youth, over whatever issue I'm going through, I'm employing angels and I'm releasing the word of God over the situation. Amen. And I learned this because my mom, she probably thought I was the devil child for, for a season. Be honest, mom, you back there. Oh, she went to the restroom. <laughs> But, but in, in that emotion of feeling like, man, my son is giving me the, the blues, she would speak the word of God over me. Amen. She spoke what she wanted to see, not what she saw. Oh, Jesus. I feel somebody need to start speaking what you want to see and not what you're seeing. Amen. Because facts can change when you speak truth. Truth can change facts. Fact of the matter is you can be sick. Fact of the matter is you can have a poor relationship. But truth is when I speak the word over that situation, the word over that fact, that can change. Because facts is in the temporal. Truth is in the spiritual. In the spiritual realm, parents, the natural realm. So I can override what's happening in the natural realm as long as I'm taking the word of God, which is the spirit of God, and I can change that. Amen. This is why Satan don't want you to get a hold of the word of God. You know, I, I, I'm a counselor as well at my church, and I realized some of the people I'm counseling, you didn't even need counseling for me if you just read your Bible. Got me putting in overtime and stuff like that. Like, read, read the word, amen? Read the word. We, we got to get back to biblical literacy because some of the issues that we're having is just you not doing your daily devotion every day. 
You're trying to live off the manna of yesterday when manna was not made to live off from yesterday. God says manna is for every day. Don't store up yesterday's manna for today, amen? Which means I can't take my experience from God last yesterday and try to carry that today. I need a fresh experience every single day. I need a fresh anointing. I need a fresh word. I need a fresh encounter. I need a fresh visitation from the Lord because that's the only way that I can be aware and, 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 and get out of the deception of Satan trying to make me to use my decision to which would lead me into bondage because if you're not spending time with God you won't know those good things that are hidden with deception because the Bible says there's a way to a man that seems right but in the end it leads to death which means Satan is not going to show up and say hey I'm good but I'm deaf he's going to show up as I'm good and I'm good but there's a message behind it that he's not telling you Satan will give you the product but he won't tell you the price tag that came with it He'll give you a pleasure right now if it'll rob you of a future purpose. Satan don't mind giving you the relationship. He don't mind giving you the connect. He don't mind giving you what you need now because if he can get you to take what you need in the moment that can rob you of your future, he will give you what you want always in the moment. Amen? So Christ came to show us how to use and manage our freedom which should produce more freedom, not misuse and mismanage, which leads to bondage. Tell your neighbor, say, we got we to gotta manage our freedoms. <laughs> Scripture says all things are permissible, but not everything is beneficial. All things are permissible, but not everything is beneficial. This is why I have to have my own relationship with God, because what's permissible for you may not be beneficial for me. What's permissible for you may not be beneficial for me. So I, I, I know in my marriage, uh, for me, I, we, we, we decided that I'm not going to be alone with the opposite sex. Amen. That may be permissible for you, but that's not beneficial for me because I know what's on my life and I got to protect what's on my life. See, the issue is you don't value what's on your life. So you keep giving your freedom away to your momentary pleasures. But if you begin to know who you are and know that you are a child of God, called by God, and God has a plan and purpose on your life, you'll be a little bit more selective who you let in your life. Yeah, somebody will call you arrogant. Yeah, somebody will call you conceited. But so what? The Bible says don't cast the confidence that you have in me, which brings great recompense. I'd rather have the uh, uh, disapproval of man and be applauded by God. Amen. 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 And to me, when you begin to walk this journey of how to manage your freedom, there's going to be times where man will disapprove of your decisions. But that's okay. Because it, it, as long as God is approving, as long as your the body, the community is approving, amen, let's not go too, too extreme. If, if your pastor is not approving it, the community is not approving it, and, and all your Christian friends and family is not approving it, then that might be God saying it's not approved. <laughs> because God works through people. I'm, I'm a, this, ain't, this ain't in my message, but I'm going to give you all the bonus for this one, amen, so, so get ready. God has, a lot, God has wired this thing called destiny to where you can't access all of him and all of your destiny without community. That's good. God has a wired destiny and purpose to where you can't access all of him and all of your destiny without community. So you can't have this isolated relationship with the Lord without having a relationship with his church. There is no such thing of walking with God without walking with a community because God works in his community. Every joint supply of another. So when you're not walking with community, you're missing out on supply. You can't be fruitful if you're not relational. 
Oh, okay. We got some, we got some isolators in here. Who, who am I talking to? <laughs> so check this out. Check this out. Go with me real quick to Exodus 13. So what is freedom? Ask me. Say, what is freedom? Freedom is fulfilling the plan of God on your life. If whatever freedom you have is not actively pushing you towards the plan of God on your life, then that may not be the freedom that God is calling you to. Amen? So freedom should be allowing me a path to my purpose and destiny because that's what Christ died. Christ died so that you can come into relationship with God so that you can live out your purpose. Amen? So in Exodus 13, what we're going to see is that God had sent a deliverer, Moses, to help deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. Pharaoh can kind of represent the devil. Egypt can represent the world and, and, and bondage. So when we, when, we, when we read this particular passage, we're going to see that God had freedom on his mind, but there was something he was reluctant, or not reluctant, there was something he did because the people weren't ready for freedom. Check this out. It says, then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go. Then it came to pass when you were finally free to break from that relationships. Then it came to pass when you, your, your marriage got back restored. Then it came to pass when those friends that you were supposed to let go finally let you go. Amen. And it says right here that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. Everyone say near. So God had delivered them out of Pharaoh. And there was a shortcut route to the promised land. It was an 11-day journey, right, to the promised land. But God said that I'm not going to take you this route because of something. And this is the part that I want us to be aware of because if we're not aware of this, we will be asking for freedom, declaring freedom, but we'll miss our responsibility to, to play in that freedom that we're asking for. Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, who said? God. Lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see what? War. When they got a fight on their hands, they may change their minds. And it says right here, and return back to Egypt. So God wanted to deliver them or bring them to the promised land. He wanted them to walk out their freedom, but he, he, he's allowing us, he's giving us insight that in order to walk out your freedom, you got to be, be prepared to fight for it. You got to be prepared to fight for it. There is no such thing of freedom without a fight. But the thing about it is we have scriptures that says this is the good fight of faith, right? So we win the battle, but the battle is not to defeat us, it's to develop us. So every battle to freedom is not a, de a, a, a deficit, it's not a defeat, it's about development. God was trying to, he, he wanted them to not be so reliant, reliant upon him. He wanted them to know how to like use his principles and, 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 and operate in freedom from, from what he, the word that he was teaching them. But they were so used to bondage that they didn't even know how to be free. Sometimes we're so used to bondage that when freedom is knocking at our door, we don't even know how to take it. We don't, even, we don't know how to seize the moment because there's a battle on our hands. And if you think walking in freedom is, not, is, is a battleless path, then you will find yourself staying in bondage. You'll find yourself in things that you are 40 that you should have conquered at 20. You'll find yourself 17 needing to conquer something when you were 12 that God gave you the strategy. He gave you the plan. But because it didn't come easy, you thought it wasn't God. 
See, as a teenager, how many teenagers we got in here? Raise your hand if you're a youth. Come on. I know it's youth Sunday. As a teenager, I was always more uh, uh, inclined to go the easy route because it just was easier because I didn't necessarily know that I had to fight for it. And, and, and I remember being um, in, in, in 24 and reading something in Judges 3 where it says God left a nation in the land for Israel because this was a generation that had not yet learned war. Meaning God left some battles not to defeat them, but to prepare them for how to get into destiny. Because every battle that you're facing is to prepare you for destiny. Amen. In the same way, human beings need oxygen to breathe. In order for you to breathe spiritually, in order for you to live out your Christian walk, what oxygen is to the human soul or the human body, that is what destiny is to us as Christians. Without being in purpose in destiny, you would always be tempted to give into depression amen if i'm not in my purpose and destiny i can't properly lead my wife i can't lead my children i can't do a lot of things because purpose and destiny is where my victory is the safest place in in god's kingdom is on the front lines not in the back it's being right in the front of the battle where he's called you to be and it should intimidate you it, you should be scared because that means you need faith and you need God if you can do it on your own it's not God amen God calls us to things that are bigger than us that's why he said I can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ever ask think or imagine according to the power of God that's working in you so the children of Israel delayed 11-day journey and stayed in the wilderness for 40 years because they kept avoiding things that they needed to confront. Which brings me to one of my points. It's impossible to get to freedom until you're willing to deal with pain. I've never met anyone powerful who didn't have pain-filled experience. Pain is not a bad thing. Pain, if you embrace it, instead of running from its discomforts and embrace the treasure that is in pain, you can actually get to freedom a little bit quicker. Amen? So you might have to deal with that pain of rejection. You might have to deal with the pain of not having a father in the home. You may have to deal with the pain of somebody leaving you. But if you deal with that pain, what was designed to be an 11-day journey won't turn into a 40-year wandering journey. Amen? I believe if you begin to face whatever pain that happened in your childhood, face whatever pain that happened in your relationships, face whatever pain that happened in your business, you can expedite your way to the promised land. But as long as you keep putting it off, as long as you keep coming up with excuses, as long as you keep trying to find a way not to deal with it, you'll stay in bondage crying for freedom. You can't pray for freedom unless you are willing to step and fight for it in Jesus' name. That's why we have an armor, because the armor is to help us to fight the good fight of faith. And there's nothing on our armor in the back. Everything is in the front, because we got to engage the battle. We got to face the battle. We got to get ready and pursue it, because the, the kingdom of God is at hand. And the kingdom of God suffer violent, but the Bible says the violence take it back by force. We're not violently angry. We're not violently in, 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 in oppressive ways. We violently love. We violently forgive. We violently respond to the good works of Jesus Christ. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, you begin to be the standard because you are ready to face the battle. We are the standard when the flood comes in. Amen. This new generation, we're the standard. There's some Goliaths that my generation or the generation won't be able to defeat that God has called you to defeat. So 
In order to defeat it, you got to feed David. When we feed David, we can kill Goliath. And that's what this Youth Sunday is about. It's pouring into the, the David generation so they can face the giants and the Goliaths in their generation. Am I looking all mean? <laughs> I do that sometimes. <laughs> so we prolong freedom when we avoid battles, hardships, and pain. Another way we prolong freedom is when we avoid conversations that we need to have see one of the things that I've learned as a counselor it is so healthy to have courageous conversations it is so healthy to have conflicting conversations Excuse me. because the thing about conflict it will show you how the depth of your relationship or the shallowness of a relationship but sometimes we don't want to have a, a conflict conversation because we're afraid that they may make a decision that we don't want them to, to make. We're afraid to have the conversation of, we've been together for four years, when are you going to marry me? Because, because here it is, we live together, and I'm afraid that if they give me a no, that puts me in a, in a vulnerable state, right? Because now I have to fight to learn how to be by myself because I've never learned how to be by myself. I've always only learned how to be with someone else, amen? But here it is. God can't give you someone until you learn how to just be with him and yourself first. God doesn't call anyone to complete you. He calls them to compliment you. So stop thinking God going to send someone to complete you. No, he completes you. And from that wholeness, you'll attract someone who is whole. And together you'll have wholeness. And then whole marriages have whole children. Whole children, it brings the whole society. Whole society brings the whole country. Amen. The greatest thing you can do for the kingdom of God is manage yourself in a way to where you bring other healthy people in your life. You attract on the level that you are. You're asking God why you keep attracting the same bad relationships. Why you keep attracting the same poor character people. Because there's something in your life that you haven't dealt with. There's a pain. There's a battle that you haven't faced. And until you face it, you'll keep being in this cycle of defeat. But somebody has to break the cycle. Your generation got to break it. The generation after you. And what you don't want to happen is God kept the children of Israel alive just to get the next generation out of him. I'd be darned if God just keeps me alive just to use my kids. I want him to use my kids, but use me too, Lord. Amen. I want to be able to show the way because I know the way and I went the way and I can tell my kids the way to go. God kept the generation alive just to get the next generation out of them because that generation he kept alive was rebellious. They were stubborn. And really what it is, they were afraid. The number one cause of anger is unfulfilled expectations. That's the number one cause of anger. When people are mad and they are angry, that's because there's an expectation in your life that didn't get met. And you've outsourced your hope to someone else until sourcing it to God. See, here it is. When, you're, when your hope is in Christ, the hope of glory, then when, when, when something happens that, that shocks you or rocks your world, you may be a little bit shaken. You may be a little bit afraid. You may be like, God, where you at? But if your, your, your source is in Christ, it won't keep you in that place because, you know, ultimately God has your back. Amen. God got you. So freedom has a process. Everyone say freedom has a process. In order for you to be free 
physically, you have to learn how to be free spiritually. In order for you to be free externally, you got to be free internally. Amen. There's some people that are free externally, but they're in bondage internally. Amen. You can be spiritually free and still be naturally bound. Just like you can be naturally bound and be spiritually free. I remember my, my encounter going to jail and prison. I was naturally bound, but I was spiritually free. Amen. I turned, I think Wordsmith coined this, I turned my cell into my sanctuary and I began to learn what freedom looks like from the inside out because God brings freedom from the inside out. The word of God is no longer written on stone tablets from Moses' generation. The word of God is now written on our hearts because Christ did a new thing. He destroyed the temple and rebuilt it in three days. So now we are the temple. We are the vessels that house the word of God. So now the written word of God is the Holy Spirit alone illuminating the word that you choose to read this is why your devotion is important because when you begin to spend time with God the Holy Spirit will illuminate scriptures for you in those times of sorrow for you in those times of pain because there's certain things that only God can tell you that community can't tell you and there's certain things that only community can tell you that God won't tell you so you actually need both you need God and you need community you need to press in and really seek God for who he is I remember when I was in prison, um, which I was very scared because in every prison movie I saw, the light-skinned dude got raped. Just to be. I was like, God. <laughs> I just, that, that was in my mind. I was like, God, oh, man. I started having nightmares. And I remember when I, when, when I went uh, and I had to take a shower for the first time. And it, it's, it's, it's like five different showers, one for this uh, ethnic group, one for that ethnic group. And I was like, dang, which one do I go to? Because do they, do they know I'm black or do they think I'm Mexican? <laughs> do they think I'm a Usa? Well, I mean, uh, and, and I, just, I just went with the blacks. I was like, that's all I know. <laughs> I remember being in there because I had made a series of decisions that I thought brought freedom, but it ended up leading me to bondage. I had made a lifestyle of being promiscuous. I had a lifestyle of hustling, lying, conniving, stealing, doing all kind of crazy things. And in the moment, it gave me momentarily pleasure. But here it is. Satan gave me what I wanted, but he didn't tell me the price tag that it came with it. Amen. He didn't tell me the price tag. See, you, you, think, you think sex before marriage doesn't come with a cost. Amen. It, it, it does. It comes with the cost. Because when you begin to yoke yourself up with someone who you were never called to be with, now you find yourself finding reasons to stay with them, even though deep down you know you should leave them. You, you find good reasons. He prays over his food, at least. He's a little spiritual. He treats his mom well. You start finding reasons to fit your bondage and try to make it look like freedom. See, I, uh, while I was in prison, I got a chance to, to, to minister to, to warlocks and different people who were caught up in the divination realm. And I, I came across an insight that I thought was pretty intriguing. One of the, one of the fastest way for someone to put a spell, a hex on you, is through sex. Because that's when your spirit is at its most vulnerable because sex was for covenant. So sex is not just a physical exchange. It is a spiritual exchange. So when you yoke yourself up with someone who is not your spouse, 
You're not making a physical exchange. You're making a spiritual exchange. And whatever depression is on their life now can come on your life. Whatever calamity is on their life can now come on your life. And whatever bondage that they have, they can have. That's why you, you, when you get with someone who don't want to go to church and you start messing around with them, you stop coming to church now. You go from going to church every week to now once a month. And I, I know you guys heard this, but I'm going to say you don't ever give boyfriend, husband privileges. You don't ever give girlfriend, wifey privileges. Amen. You got to set a standard. You got to set some boundaries. And if they don't want you because of the boundaries you set, then that means they were never for you. Don't set a boundary and then, and then they say, I'm good, I don't want you, and then you try to beg them back. No, that, see, that's, that's, that's a part that you got. There's a pain you need to face. That means you don't like to be alone. And that, you know what that shows me? When you don't like to be alone, that means you haven't found purpose. Because I've never saw someone in purpose who were alone. You may have a, a moments of loneliness, but when you're too busy sinking the kingdom of God, you can't be alone. Because God is the God of comfort. God is the God of peace. God is the God of hope. So if you're really doing life the right way, when you're alone, you're not alone. Amen? Because he says he will never leave you nor forsake you. So the fact that you're saying you're alone is, means you have bought into a lie. That is deception. Amen? Yeah. So freedom has a process. Galatians 5, 16 through, 13, through, uh, through 18, it says, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you should not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things which you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are no longer under the law. And the law is not the Ten Commandments. It's the law of sin and death. When you are led by God's spirit, you no longer have that law working against you. Some people have the law working against them have never turned that law off. What do I mean by that? You've made a decision and you've never repented from that decision and reclaimed your virtue, your innocence back from that decision. So that, that, that decision is still working against you. But when you've activated that law of sin and death, you have to say, God, I repent. Forgive me for giving what belongs to you to someone else. I reclaim that back in the name of Jesus. And I break every soul tie. I break every challenge, every generation curse. You got to break it because the thing about the spirit realm, the demonic realm, you, you can have freedom, but until you reinforce it, they won't believe that you believe that you got freedom. You got to reinforce your covenant, amen? There's nowhere in the Bible where God didn't mention that we didn't need to take authority. Authority means that I got to, I have to reinforce the promises of God. So when depression hits me, I have to reinforce that the peace of God keeps me, Amen. When, when addiction tries to hit me, I got to reinforce that the only thing that I'm going to be addicted to is the presence of God. When fear hits me, I have to reinforce that, no, I walk by faith, not by sight. What is your self-talk in the midst of your pain? What are you telling yourself? Self-talk is so crucial because self-talk is in the realm of the soul, and the soul is at war for your heart. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotion, and if you can get your mind, your will, and emotion to be renewed to the Spirit of God, your spirit and your soul will be on the same team to now dictate to your body what it needs to do, but when you've disconnected the Spirit of God, and you're just in this soul realm where you're not really paying attention to the Word of God, now your soul is dictated by your flesh. That's why you do the things that you ought not to do. Because the only way that you can um, put a leash on these animal instincts is through the word of God. Amen. Our flesh is like a pit bull. 
You, you got you to leash that thing up with the word of God or it will go wild and be reckless. So the avoidance of pain will always be used to bait us back to bondage. The avoidance of pain will always be used to bait us, bait us back into bondage. There's certain things that some of us have been holding on to for years that God has, he, he wanted you to be free from that long time ago. Long time ago. And I really feel like you, you might have th- thought you, pa- you missed your opportunity. That is a lie from Satan. You've ne- you, as long as you're breathing and as long as you're alive, you've never missed the opportunity for freedom. And one thing I know about God, if you truly repent and you identify God with the, the issues that I've been running from, God can bring restoration into your life. As I shared earlier, when I went to prison, I was facing four years. And, and, and that was a lot to me because, uh, I'm, you know, that just wasn't my thing. And my dad is a correctional officer, so I knew all the stories and did the scare straight program. But obviously that didn't work for me. Um, but, but I was faced for four years. And I remember telling God, I re- no, I remember being in my cell and actually reading my Bible for the first time. And I was so mad at myself because everything that I was trying to get in the, wor- in the world, it was already in the word. Here it is. Sometimes, here it is. Sometimes your ending is actually the beginning to your new beginning. So the ending of my criminal career was actually the beginning of my pastoral career. Amen. But because I wasn't strong enough to end it myself, God allows circumstance to catch me up and squeeze me in a situation to where like Jacob, I had to wrestle with myself. I had to wrestle with my thoughts, my philosophy until I had my breakthrough and was like, I'm going to serve God. And when I began to wrestle with God about who I was and what he's called me to do, then I was able to make the decision to serve him. You might be squeezed in a situation, but that's good. When you are at your lowest, you're really at your highest, whether you know it or not. When you only have Jesus as your only choice, that is the best choice to have. Amen. Because sometimes when we got options, Jesus is always sometimes the last option. But when Jesus is the only option, you can cry out because he loves a broken heart and a contrite spirit. So while I was in that prison, and you may not be in that physical prison that I I was, but you might be in an emotional prison, a spiritual prison, but if you call on God, he he will come to you. Amen. When we cry out to God, God will always hear us. I told God, Lord, if you get me out of this situation, I will serve you. And this is like my eighth time saying this prayer. But this time, I, this time I really meant it. <laughs> this time I was serious. This time I was very serious. When I started seeing those dudes in showers and like heck above, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, this ain't for me. <laughs> so I was serious, and I remember getting a divine dream from God. I, it was never prophesied that I was going to be a pastor. I thought I was going to be a real estate agent and a club promoter. That's what I thought my, my, my path was. Then God gave me this dream of me preaching. And my parents would tell you that I didn't like to speak in front of people. I'm, I'm, I'm an introvert by nature, but because I'm born again, I can be an extrovert. Amen? Amen. When you're born again, you get some new gifts. <laughs> I got some new gifts. So I know how to be, I'm, I'm maybe 60% introvert, 40% extrovert. But before I was like 80% introvert, 20% extrovert. But when I came into Christ, God began to show me who I was in him. And I began to minister and do Bible studies while I was in prison. I, start, I stopped focusing on my sentence and started focusing on the presence. Because if you, don't, if you focus on the presence and not what's happening, you, you, you'll be surprised how the presence of God will start working for you. So in me ministering to people, in me sharing the good news, 
news of Christ. Nothing ever happened to me while I was in there. I was protected the whole time. And then my four-year prison sentence got, got consolidated to one year, and I didn't even snitch. <laughs> I just had to throw that out. The people who I was locked up with can testify to that. No, no. It, you know, I still had that little street in me, like, I ain't going to snitch, though. <laughs> But here it is. I, I'm not against if you see if you're changing out of that lifestyle, that might be the way God is going to get you out of it by being honest about that situation. I tell people now, don't do nothing around me because I'm snitching. Like I, I'm, I'm telling, I'm telling. I, I think some of y'all got mad at me at that one. It's like you was cool, but now you ain't cool no more. <laughs> so I, I, in closing, in closing, go with me to Numbers 14. Numbers 14. D, can you move this for me? Numbers 14. So check this out. On their way to freedom, look what happened. Numbers 14, 1 through 4 says, So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night. And all children of Israel complained. They're complaining about being free. They complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation and said to them, If, we only, if only we had died in the land of Egypt. Oh, go back. I wasn't finished. If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness. See, they're at a place where they were so used to walking in bondage, walking in deception. Here, here's the thing about bondage. There's no rules. You just do whatever you feel. So now they go from just doing whatever they feel to now some responsibility. See, the, I, I want to share this because I think it's super applicable. The security of slavery is the absence of responsibility. When you can be a slave to a relationship, a slave to a situation, it's, you don't need responsibility. When, when a relationship can dictate to you what you should do, how you should feel, you don't need responsibility. So they're at a place to where they were in bondage for so long, they didn't even like freedom because freedom came with responsibility. They were more content with staying in bondage because it was less work. But here it is, you can work hard now and really enjoy life later, or you can be lazy now and life can be really hard later. I know some people who life is hard because they made decisions to do whatever they felt like doing in their 20s, and now their 30s is not looking so good. And some people in their 30s, they didn't conquer what they needed to do in their 20s, and now, now they're dealing with things in their 40s. And this is Youth Sunday, and my encouragement to the youth is face what you need to face now. Don't take what God has ordained you to face at 17 and begin to face it at 27. No, the time has come, and now God wants you to face it. God is looking for worshipers that will worship him in spirit and truth. He wants you to take your, your issues, your challenges, and bring it to him. We also see that the comfort of oppression is the absence of self-determination. Oppression means that that comfort of oppression means that I don't need any self-determination. I don't, I don't need to, to have a resilience, a resolve, a grit about myself. And these are the, the different characteristics that you need. The Bible says abide in me. In that scripture, I think it's John 14, Jesus mentioned abiding like eight different times. Because he says, apart from me, you can't do anything. Stop thinking you got to get yourself clean before you can get cleaned. Stop thinking you got to break free from a relationship to break free from a relationship. Jesus is the cleansing agent. You don't take a shower before you take a shower. You take a shower to get cleaned. Amen. 
You don't get clean before you come to Jesus. Jesus is the one that gets you clean. So I don't care how dirty you are. I don't care what decisions you made. Jesus will take you as you are and change you to who you should be. I'm going to say that again. Jesus will take you as you are and change you as you should be. So in Jesus' life, there was three significant things that he went through. Jesus went through a wilderness experience. And in that wilderness experience, we see that he's being afflicted or challenged by Satan. And it wasn't that Jesus and Satan didn't know that Jesus was Lord, but they were arguing or the, 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 the wilderness process was about how it was going to happen. Satan was trying to get him to expedite who he was in a, in a path that God didn't call him to go that way. So sometimes Satan will show you a path which will be true to your future, but he just didn't tell you all of the price tags that it comes with. Yeah, you're supposed to be a businessman, but God doesn't want you to lie to get to be rich. Yeah, you're supposed to be married, but God doesn't want you to begin to compromise your values to get married. See, Satan will use something that God's promised you and show you a path other than the way God wants you to go to try to get you to get out of the process. And then we see in the moment Jesus, another serious season in Jesus' life, a season in Jesus' life was Gethsemane, where Jesus argued with God, God, not my will, but your will be done. See, we got to wrestle with ourselves. Can you get to a place where you're like, it's not my will, but your will, God? Your will, God, your will. If you want me to break up with this relationship, I will. If smoking weed, doing drugs is, is not a part of your, your, your best for me, I'm going to give that up. You have to wrestle with that. And that's one of the things that Jesus did for us. He redeemed our willpower. The Bible says that he sweat as if it was great drops of blood. He sweat from his mind. I believe that that was a significant moment about the blood and how it redeemed man's willpower to be surrendered back to God's will. Your willpower would never get you out of your issues. It's your will surrender to God's will that will get you out of your issues. You can't willpower your way out of certain things. You can only surrender to a greater will, and from that, God will get you out of things. And the last phase of Jesus' life was the cross, where he accepted what it was going to take to be pleasing to the Lord. And that's what I'm trying to ask you to do today, is will you wrestle with the things that you need to give up? Will you face the pain that you've been avoiding? And if you're at that place where you're ready to face the pain and you're willing to give these things up, you get to this cross moment with God. And it's at the cross where God resurrects the power that you didn't know you had. It's at the cross when you give up your old friends, God brings you new friends. It's at the cross where you give up old relationships, God brings new relationships. It's at the cross when you give up old addictions, God will give you a better addiction if that's a word to use for his presence. So I want to encourage anyone in here today that the time is coming to where you have to face what you need to face. Don't be like the children of Israel. In the moment they see that it was work and responsibility, they chose to go back to bondage. And here it is. God doesn't, he's not mad if you mess up. If you're in this process of being free from something, in, in, in counseling we learn that there's a back and forth process oftentimes. But each time you go back and you come forward, you cut trail, you get closer to your breakthrough. So don't give up. Keep pressing in. Keep abiding, keep seeking, keep being vulnerable, keep being honest, keep being intentional, keep opening your heart up because you can't be free without God and you can't be free without community and you need them both. So I'm hoping today that you're not exchanging one prison from another. I'm hoping today that you're not exchanging one relationship to another bad one. I'm, I'm praying today that you didn't move from one city to, to run away from issues only to find the same issues follow you. 
I always tell my, my young adults, you can, you can change schools, but you can't change grades. Just because you left school in the eighth grade in L.A. and you came out here in Sacramento, they don't say, oh, you're automatically graduated. <laughs> you start back at that same grade. Stop running. Stop, start facing things. Let God show you that he's Jehovah Gabor, that he will fight your battles. That God is a God of battles. So if you're in here today and you're ready to face certain things that you know you've been putting off, you're ready to stop exchanging one prison to another, you're ready to walk it out. This is not an altar call of salvation or rededication. This is a call to action. If you're here today and you're ready to make those changes, I just want you to stand up for me. If that's you, I'm ready to face some pain. I'm ready to face some, some challenges. I'm ready to face the things that I've been avoiding. I want you to be bold and stand up. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.